Matt, back with another week, season three, episode 14. Uh, we're still going strong here into mid late November. So, as usual, start off with some NFL talk. Uh, good weekend, not a you know, nothing special by either of our teams. Both teams took care of business against uh, teams they should beat, but as usual, Cowboys are up first, so they take care of business against the Panthers. Uh, pretty dominant win there. So why don't you just get right into it and uh, give us your take on how the game went? Yeah, this was a, I wouldn't say a dominant win because the score was a little misleading. I think thirty-three to ten, but this game was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. So I wouldn't say I was uh, just stress-free. Because it got down to seven, and I admit, I got a little worried. I was like, uh-oh, are we going to pull another Arizona game out of our butts again and stink up the joint and give us any hope lost for the division? But they were able to hang on. Um, they kind of turned on the the firepower in the fourth. But, uh, you know, the game overall, you know, you're playing the Panthers, a 1-18 and team. You got to capitalize and take care of business and capitalize on lesser teams that make mistakes. And to me, the reason why Dallas was up in this game was Carolina was gifting them extra downs. I mean, there was holdings. There was a a personal foul that was called on the Panthers defender. It was a third down play. He just blatantly shoved Kevante Turpin out of bounds. The play was dead already, so really no reason for you to do that as a defender, but that kept our drive alive and ended up as a touchdown for C.D. Lamb to finish that uh, drive off in the second quarter. So, you know, you capitalize on those mistakes. That's what you're supposed to do. But, uh, you know, it's the Panthers, right? So you kind of got to expect them to do that. But we did what we had to do. Um, You know, Micah Parsons and the defense, you know, they were kind of flexing some firepower. Parsons had a good game. I think he had two and a half sacks. Um, He was just relentless. Nobody could block him. They double teamed him. He still got through. He was triple teamed and he still got a sack. So that just shows, one, how good Micah Parsons is. And two, just how terrible the Panthers line is. I mean, how do you not block a guy when you have triple team? (laughs) Like, that's just, I don't know what to say. So we just took advantage of a lesser tier team up front. Um, you know, but some takeaways, Dak obviously is a big discussion, you know, nothing really popping off on the box score, 189 yards, but turnover free again and against a lesser tier team, that's what you got to do. You give them chances, extra downs, you turn the ball over. That's when you get in trouble. So Dak did what he, did what he had to do. He managed the game. Um, he made enough throws when he had to, so, you know, it was okay. It was okay. But, uh, you know, the story of this game kind of turned in the fourth, like I mentioned earlier, was we saw a flash of Tony Pollard. And that was a beautiful thing to see. He scores his first touchdown since week one. So for all you Tony Pollard fantasy managers out there, I'm sure you guys finally were breathing a sigh of relief. But that touchdown run was kind of vintage Tony Pollard, but in a way it was like a little homage to Zeke Elliott. I mean, 
Pollard had that burst. He hit the hole hard. And then his ability to finish yards after contact, I think he drove the pile about five yards. So just a great overall um, run right there to, to kind of cap this game, break it open. And then obviously the next play, Deron Bland gets the pick six. Uh, I don't even know what else to say at this point. I mean, this guy has four pick sixes on the season. And it's a little over halfway through. And I don't know, man. I, I mean, call me delusional, but how do you not have this guy in the defensive player of the year running at this point? He's not a big name, but it, it's kind of hard to have four, four pick sixes in a season, yet alone two-thirds of the way down. So to Ron Bland, he kind of makes me forget about Trayvon Diggs, you know, because it's the same kind of player. I was worried when Trayvon Diggs got hurt. I was like, uh-oh, who's going to be the guy across Gilmore now to kind of give us that stability? And he's more than held his own out there. So, man, I can only imagine what it would have been like with Diggs healthy because Deron Bland would just be eating in the slot. <laughs> he might have six pick sixes at this point. But, you know, the defense did what they had to do. But the only concern was the rush defense against Carolina. You allow Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders to go over 100 yards combined. But I just thought they got a little bit too many chunk plays. Uh, And then Adam Thielen was kind of annoying that game for me. Because if you're playing the Panthers, he's the only guy. Yeah, I know you're happy because he's on your fantasy team. And, And Miles Sanders too. But... Well, I guess yeah. that one is there. <laughs> but that it's Adam Thielen or Bus. I mean, there's really nobody else that Bryce Young really looks to to throw the ball. So I think they had to do a better job of taking him away, send help. I don't care if it's Gilmore or Bland. You can afford to double team him because nobody else is gonna beat you. <laughs> like just put it that way. So make Bryce Young go somewhere else. And uh you know, they didn't really do a good job of that. So got to be better in that to me, taking away primary receivers. Um, but, you know, overall, at the end of the day, I'm not going to complain about 33 to 10, right? So the main thing is everybody's healthy except Trayvon Diggs for the most part. So we got a short week. It's the Thanksgiving game against Washington. It's always a big, big day in football. My favorite holiday of the year by default. It's not Thanksgiving, by the way. It's National Cowboy Day, as I call it, um, because everybody watches the Cowboys, whether you're a football fan or not. That's the primetime game every Thanksgiving. So we just had to move on, survive Carolina, and uh, we got to take care of Washington now. But before we go to your team, there was another thing that happened that was kind of a big deal. Um, pre-game, Jerry Jones announced to the Fox broadcast booth that a uh, long time, or I shouldn't say long time coach, but former coach of Dallas Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson is finally going to be announced into the Dallas ring of honor, which is really about time. Kind of a, you could argue, you know, him, Tom Landry, who's the best coach in Dallas Cowboy history. I don't know. I'll leave that up to debate, but you know, definitely well-deserved. I think he was the reason why we had that 90s dynasty. He set everything up 
And I know him and Jerry had their beef over the years that just never ended, but I'm glad they were able to kind of put things aside and uh, finally get this day to come because I'm happy because I get to watch this in person since they announced it, that they're going to do it Oh, on the December 30th game at the Lions. So <laughs> I'll be there in person to to see this this ceremony at halftime. So I guess I can't go pee when the second quarter is done because I'm going to miss a pretty uh, historic moment in Dallas Cowboys history. So I don't know when I'm going to go pee during the game. I got to figure that out. <laughs> Just do the whole <laughs> bottle strapped to the... I, I know. I mean... I, I'm probably going to be peeing a lot with the amount of beers I'm going to be drinking before the game. So <laughs> we'll see. But I just wanted to shout out Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones. Thank you for finally doing this huge moment in Cowboy history. So I'm glad. But football wise, we got to take on Washington now. So please make my Thanksgiving good. That's all I ask because I hate eating junk turkey when the Cowboys lose. It doesn't taste the same. So. Please, I want to have a happy Thanksgiving <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't care when you pee, as long as you don't pee uh, under an open table or like open area. I don't know if you saw that video that's like going around on Twitter. It's this dude who's like clearly just hammered. And I don't know if it's where it's at. It was an NFL game? I don't know if it's an NFL. I think it was a college game. I don't know if it was Oregon State. It was definitely, like, orange, though. There's this dude just, like, you know, like, the standing tables, like, that that are around, like, the stadium and stuff? Oh, the, just it's straight... a research stadium, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Oregon State. That yeah, is Oregon, Oregon State, State, right? Yeah. Dude was straight peeing on it. <laughs> so as long as you don't do that, you'll be fine. As long as I don't pull a time in a Toya and, you know, go on the table. <laughs> Damn, you're just exposing people out here. But I, I didn't say what he did, but I just said I'm just not gonna pull a time in a Toya. Nobody knows. If you know, you know. Well, anyway, yeah, just don't do that. You'll be good. Um Okay, so that was a pretty quick Cowboys talk. Um getting on to my dolphins now. Uh coming off a of bye. Not gonna lie, would have liked a cleaner game, but a win is a win. You know, sometimes you got to win ugly. This one was definitely one of those cases. So start with the, I guess you could say bad. Um, Offensively, you know, looked a little bit rusty. Tua was a little bit off. Um, You know, not like really bad, but he did have an overthrow to Jalen Waddle that ended up in a pick. Had another potential pick. Um often outstretched defenders' hands and had the fumble on the first drive of the game. Um, so like to see the turnovers get cleaned up still. I believe Miami is now like minus six on the year in turnovers, but, you know, it's not always going to be pretty. Seven and three, you, you'll take that at the end of the day, right? And the Raiders, I mean, they, you know, as much of a meme team they usually are. They've uh, been better with a new coach. They have been better, exactly, with Antonio Pierce now. You are definitely familiar with him uh, back from his playing days with Giants. So, you know the toughness that he brings to that locker room. And, yeah, the Raiders finally looked like they had some swagger again. So, honestly, was a little 
worried. This was almost like a trap game, I thought, for Miami because it's like, oh, it's the Raiders, but, you know, they've been playing better uh, as of late with Aiden O'Connell at their as quarterback now. Uh, Devontae Adams still there. So, you know, Josh Jacobs, not a team to be taken lightly. And, yeah, just like I said, um, shaking off the rust, I think, on offense. Uh, Tyreek still just too good. I mean, 10, 10 for what, like 145 and a touchdown. Um, just another yeah, day in the office. Just another day, really uh, on pace to to break that 2K record, which it's looking more and more obtainable by the game, by the week. So that'll be something to look forward to as we come down the home stretch of the season. But yeah, offensively, I like to see the, the turnovers get cleaned up. Um, can't be having those against the good teams, right? You can't be giving the good teams. Um, I'm not saying the Raiders aren't a good team, but like, you know, the upper echelon teams, the playoff teams, uh, second, third chances to get the ball back um, in plus territory. So would like to see that get cleaned up, but not going to overreact uh, because we are still just a little over halfway uh, through the season. But getting to the good, uh, you know, a lot of those turnovers happened inside Miami territory and the defense has been playing outstanding as of late. You know, going back to uh, several weeks now, you know, they had a shaky start, but since Jalen Ramsey has been back, I mean, man, is that not like the steal of this Miami team so far to give up what a third round pick and a tight end, I think it was. Uh, to the Rams to get Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, people were saying he was washed, right, in L.A., comes over and now has three picks in three games uh, since being with the Dolphins. So, I mean, you really can't sell short how much of an impact he is making on this defense. I mean, really, they didn't even throw to him all game except the two, like, I think there was one where he got beat um, on a double move by Devontae Adams but Aiden O'Connell missed him. Other than that, he was pretty like locked down the whole game. Um, and when you tried him, you know, that's what you're going to get. Right. So to have him uh, opposite of X, Xavier Howard, it is such a luxury. I'm sure you knew from the first, what, one or two games of the season when you had Gilmore and Diggs opposite of each other. Um, yeah. This defense, it they're getting better by the week. And, honestly we're gonna need it because you look at defenses like the chiefs like the ravens um you know those are really good teams with really good defenses and really good offenses so uh gonna need both sides of the ball to be firing uh come playoff time but yeah couldn't be more happy about this defense honestly i mean uh the defensive line is finally getting after the quarterback you got jalen phillips and Bradley Chubb on the end, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins on the interior. Secondary is playing better. Uh, Vic Fangio really seems like he's gotten comfortable with his guys now. And, I mean, to give up, um, you know, to hold the Raiders to um, no touchdowns off the turnovers in, you know, on in plus territory, I feel like that just speaks testament uh, to defense. So really glad to see that. Um, they took care of business at home like they should have. And now we're moving on to face a new quarterback uh, with the New York Jets, Tim Boyle. 
So, <laughs> I mean, hey, Zach Wilson demoted all the way to third string. So, I mean, he had his chance. It just hasn't worked out. Honestly, I'm kind of bummed that he's not starting because I would have <laughs> loved to see Zach Wilson on Friday. Uh, I mean, didn't really see much from Tim Boyle either in the rest of that game against the Bills. But, uh, you know, the Jets defense, man, I don't think you can take lightly their defense at all. I mean, they're the only team this year that's beaten the Eagles, who won again tonight. But uh, that j- they had Zach Wilson as our quarterback during that game. So that really just does speak volumes to how good the defense is. I think they turned over Jalen Hurts three times in that game. Um, yeah, he had so, that critical late interception too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this – I don't want to say it's a trap game because it's a divisional game, but, you know, the offense has been so bad, you kind of figure it's a free win. But, no, this Jets defense, they're in New York. Um, the weather's, you know, starting to get that time of the year now. A little bit cold, rainy, not snow yet, but uh, conditions are going to be a little – might be less than ideal. So now we're going to really see uh, a test, I feel like, for this offense. Uh, I think the defense, you know, will be okay. I mean, you stop Garrett Wilson, you stop Brees Hall, you let other guys beat you. Um, I think they'll be okay. But I think this is going to be a big test for this offense who started off hot, but, you know, as of late, kind of has been uh, cooled off a little bit by Kansas City. And now the Raiders defense. So looking looking forward to this Friday. Like you said, hope, hopefully it's a good uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, hope it's a memorable Black Friday game because it's the first Black Friday game in That's NFL true. history. So you want to, you know, leave some good history on that, right? Like when you go back, oh, the first Black Friday game, Miami beat New York, whatever, whatever. So, uh yeah, even more so for a little bit of NFL history on the line, um, but even bigger for the division because after this week, uh, now if Miami does win against New York, they will have first place in the AFC, which is huge going forward. Um, so other than that... Aren't they third, though, like as of today? Yeah, yeah, but if they win, uh, they'll move. they'll move to first. Because they'll be eight and three. Well, I mean, both oh, they got to wait to the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha, but, gotcha. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be tight up top in the AFC. So every game is gonna matter at this point. But yeah, uh, not too much to say. Just glad the defense stepped up. Um, when it mattered, and hopefully, we get our kicking problem fix as well because jason sanders cannot hit a field goal past 50 yards i'm so scared even <laughs> misses extra points sometimes anyway um you don't have brandon aubrey that's side automatic aubrey yeah i mean he's money so uh no that's yeah, brett maher be... money maher <laughs> i'd still rather have aubrey than maher so yeah me uh... too me too <laughs> I, I don't have to think twice about that one i mean you know he's like just super smart, right? Because wasn't he like a like computer something science Aubrey? guy? Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah. Well, he did go to Notre Dame too, so it's kind of a smart school. Uh, yeah. 
I don't care if he's smart or not, as long as he can make a field goal. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, as long as you make your field goals and your extra points, it's all good. So he's made every extra point so far. Actually, he missed one this uh, last game, but yeah, he deserves a mulligan. He's been pretty good, you know, the rest of the year. So I'm not gonna rip him on that one. Okay. Um. But yeah, let's get to a couple other big games. So two big games we want to get to. Uh, let's start with the Thursday night game, which had huge implications in the AFC. Uh, I mean, granted, the AFC North. Uh, so the Ravens and the Bengals and seemed like a must-win game for Cincinnati, Matt. Uh, you know, they were, I believe, 5-4 and four going into it. Uh, took a tough loss against the Texans last week. A game, you know, that felt winnable for them uh, came back, but CJ Stroud did his thing. So a huge game to gain ground in the division, which just seems like all the teams are winning right now. Um, so not only to lose, you know, gain ground in their division, but also the AFC wildcard is extremely tight right now. So, you know, every win is going to matter. Um, but... As the game unfolded, got to talk about the injuries that affected this one. So the Ravens did win, obviously. Um, that happened on Thursday. But, I mean, Joe Burrow, now done for the season. I have to believe that means Cincinnati's season is over. They're done. <laughs> they are done. Um, just unfortunate because, you know, they finally started getting hot again. And they're an exciting team to watch. You know, Joe Burrow, when he's healthy, uh, moving around, making plays. Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins. Uh, you got Joe Mixon. And the defense, which has been underrated, I think, uh, this year. But I thought their defense really has been playing, you know, better than last year. But, you know, this one, they were a little bit banged up. I know they didn't have Hubbard. Uh, Hendrickson was kind of nicked up. Uh, was questionable, but he did play in that one. But, man, to lose Joe Burrow uh, just felt like all the air came out of the tires there. Really, once that happened, uh, I mean, no shot for Cincinnati to win that one, right? You got Jake Browning in there, the Washington quarterback. Uh, he's been in the league for a little bit, but he's no Joe Burrow, right? So <laughs> that that was a pretty big blow for them. I think we're calling it on the Cincinnati season. They're now 11th uh, in the AFC. And yep. yeah, you can put a fork in their season. Yeah, I think they are done. Good for Miami because, I mean, that was one more team they didn't have to worry about. But as long as we take care of business, I think the division is in our hands. Um, but, you know, the Ravens, unfortunately, don't come out of this one unscathed either. Right, they lose their best receiving option in Mark Edwards. He's now out for the year, and I mean that I think is going to be a big blow for Baltimore to try to you know fill moving forward. I do like their tight end, their backup tight end. I think it's likely Isaiah likely. likely. Uh, he's a big body guy, you know, can make plays. I know he he stepped up well for Mark Andrews. It was last, last year, year, right? When he got hurt. He had, some, he had a touchdown. Yeah, he, he had, had a, a touchdown spree going. He had, so, you know, maybe he's able to fill the void that Mark Andrews is going to leave there. But tough blow for Baltimore. Um, 
But I mean, it was a good win. You know, they, they took care of business, did what they need, needed to do. Gus Edwards stayed hot, two more touchdowns. But to me, uh, you know, you do lose Mark Andrews. But one caveat I think you can get from this is maybe finally Odell is shaking off all the rust um, from being hurt last season. You know, he's been quiet, right? Haven't heard too much out of him, but finally got back in the 100 yard receiving column. So I don't know, maybe that's a little bit of the. Um, he's going to have to pick up the slack for them, right? With Mark Andrews out. You still got Zay Flowers there, um, who should have had a touchdown, I thought, got called off by the refs. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to bring up the refs this season in the NFL. It's getting a little bit ridiculous at this point. Um, I don't know. might be time to start getting a little bit more, um, what is that, like reviewed calls, I guess. Uh, for penalties more challenges. And stuff like that. More <laughs> challenges. I don't even know. But yeah, the they called the hold on Odell. Did not look like a hold to me. Uh, and even, I think, a pass interference late in that game, right, against Cincinnati did not look anything close like pass interference to me. So, once again, refs <laughs> make two pretty big calls there. But, um, yeah, Matt, I guess... Cincinnati is pretty much cooked. I mean, you can only lean on your guys so much. Um, but how good is Jamar going to be? How good is Joe Mixon going to be? How good is T. Higgins going to be with Jake Browning at the quarterback position? I'm not expecting much. Maybe they win a couple more games, but it's just with how tight the AFC is, um, it's going to be real hard, I think, for Cincinnati to come back. I mean, yeah, I agree. I think. Well, for my sake, I hope T. Higgins does good. I just traded for him, but that was before the Joe Burrow injury, so I'm kind of kicking myself for that one. But on the football side for the team, I mean, there's really only one way I could say they have a chance to win, and it's what we say all the time, even with Joe Burrow. It's you play through Joe, but Joe Mixon, <laughs> right? That's the. I feel like that's the only way they can have some kind of competitive advantage is if he has 80 to 100 yards a game, honestly, 20 touches. So you can play action off of him. And you, right, you still got Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins out there, you got Tyler Boyd. So there's still weapons for Browning to to utilize. But with a backup quarterback, you want to establish a run game and play action off of that because it just opens up the field a lot more to me. So if there's any hope, Joe Mixon needs to go kind of crazy. But do I see that happening? No, because I think they're just going to stack the box and put nine guys in there and make them throw. <laughs> so, yeah, they're kind of cooked. But I think it's so interesting that before the game, I don't know if you saw the clip of Joe Burrow. He was walking in with the, mm. the wrist Actually, thing. I think that was the day before when they got off the Oh, buses. was it the day before? Yeah, when they arrived in, yeah. in Baltimore. And it was they interviewed him after when he got hurt, and he said like, "Oh, it was some just like you know, it wasn't anything serious, but it's you know, protective gear basically on my wrist." But when I heard that, I was like, "You don't wear protective gear on your your hand or your leg unless you're hurt, unless something is sore." So, Cincinnati, how do you not list them on their injury report? Like, isn't that kind of a a thing that you're supposed to do? As an NFL roster, I think they're getting investigated. 
Actually, I know, yeah. So they're being basically penalized for that and investigated because that doesn't make sense to me. So what were they hiding? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I just think that was a little bit suspicious and kind of ironic that uh, he ends up hurting that wrist and he's out for the season. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's a killer. But I mean, for the rape on the Ravens side, I think you brought it up, Odell. He's going to be huge. I, I think Mark Andrews is really that safe. He's Travis Kelsey for them or for Lamar, basically. So you take that away. Well, like how good is Lamar going to be in the short intermediate passing game? So Odell is kind of like that guy where it's like, yeah, he needs to kind of carry the load. But I think the Ravens are a little bit more equipped than the Chiefs, for example, in terms of weapons. <laughs> I trust Zay Flowers a little bit more. I trust Odell a little bit more than the Chiefs receivers. So, And they got Lamar. The one thing about Lamar is he has legs. And he can use them better than anybody else in the league at this point. So I think the Ravens, yeah, they're going to hurt. But I've seen Lamar play without Andrews. And he's been able to hold up for the most part. So I think, I think they'll be okay. And they're going to be contending for a top seed through the end of the season. That's no doubt about it because, I mean, their defense is is back. They have the Ravens defense back, which is not good for for you, the Chiefs, right? You AFC contenders, you don't want to see the Ravens have that defensive identity. And they, I think they have that this year with the amount of pressures they're getting, the turnovers. So they're going to be a tough out regardless. But yeah, Cincinnati... You're screwed. <laughs> You're kind of screwed. I was just trying to give you some kind of hope. But, uh, you know, we say this every time on the show. We talk about Cincinnati. that You should just be playing through Joe Mixon and even more so now. So all I got to say is good luck. And just please, please throw the ball to T. Higgins at least like five times a game. Just give me something. Please. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for Cincinnati, um, I think it's time to look, look on. Uh, to next year, but uh, you yeah, never know. High draft Anything. pick, though. Yeah, I'm. It, it's not over, but it feels over. It, you know? It's over. Okay, because <laughs> they don't they don't have a Cooper Rush as backup quarterback. So oh, that just, good point. That just shows you how important it is to have a guy back there. So right, right, okay. Um, well, let's move on to the other primetime game that's worth talking about. Um, oh my god. And that would be tonight's game, Sick. the Monday Night Football game. Uh, Eagles at Chiefs. We get the Super Bowl rematch. We get the Kelsey Brothers rematch again. Uh, you know, huge implications for both teams being the number one seeds in their respective conferences. And it was a good one. I mean, it was a good game, but it was defensive battle. And, you know, honestly... With how both of their seasons have been going, can't say I'm surprised. Uh, you know, the Eagles, they are nine and one, but it's not like they haven't beat they've beaten good teams as well, but it still doesn't feel like they're unbeatable. You know, even like that feeling last year that the Eagles had when they are steamrolling people, both sides of the ball. Um, I just not getting that same feeling from them. But you look at the record and they're nine and one and they've beaten good teams. You know, they've beaten the Chiefs. Now they've beaten the Dolphins. They've beaten your Cowboys once, right? So <clears throat> it's not like they're beat, beating up on bad teams all the time. 
but yeah, still doesn't quite feel like they're that juggernaut that they were last year. Um, and then over to the Chiefs side, you know, Andy Reid, legendary off of a bye. Kansas City, legendary at home. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes can only do so much, uh, you know, with his skilled players not coming through. I mean, even Travis Kelsey, who's Mr. Reliable, right, has a big fumble uh, in Eagles territory. And then I'm sure you want to get to this, but MVS drops the go-ahead touchdown with about a minute and a half to go in the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, I think you got to give props to the Chiefs defense, though, as well, uh, keeping them you know, in it for the most part. Uh, I believe they did turn over Jalen Hurts again. So, you know, I mean, with a good team like that, you can only do so much, especially at home. But, Matt, I know you've been itching to get into it on this game. So why don't you just vent all, all your frustrations since the Eagles won? You know, as a Cowboys fan, I was more focused on this game this week than the Panthers, which is terrible because I don't like to look ahead. But there was a window of opportunity for Dallas to to gain some ground. You're playing a lesser team. The Eagles go up against the defending champs at their place. I'm like, okay, this is the week we kind of really get back into it. And boy, did Kansas City ever let me down. Maybe this is why I never cheer for them in the Super Bowl, you know, with Brady and whatnot. Because, man, talk about choke. <laughs> Like, I can't, I mean, Mahomes, he had a terrible interception. You cannot make that turnover in the red zone. I agree. But outside of that one, I mean, I don't really know what else he could have done better, I guess you could say. He was running all over the place. I mean, he was, he was escaping, like he was using his legs. Like, you know, he's kind of like that quarterback. It's like, how the heck can you not? Like sack this guy. I think about that every single time he runs. It, it doesn't like it doesn't look like he's running fast, but he gets like six, seven yards a scramble. And it's like there's nobody around him too. So you know, he was moving around the pocket and you have a good game. You think of the Chiefs outrush the Eagles. That like when would you ever think that with the style of team that both of these guys are? So Pacheco was running hard. I mean, credit to Andy Reid. Right. I know he's very Pass dependent sometimes, you know, when you have a quarterback like that, you just want to throw it around all the time. But for him to have for a team, you run it 30 times. Pacheco gets 19 of them. Yeah, that that that's good. I mean, they they really did control the game. It was the mistakes that the Chiefs made with the turnovers. And, you know, Mahomes missed Kelsey on a critical third down, I thought. It would have been like a 20-yard game, but they ended up punting. Uh, that could have been another three points, potentially a touchdown. And then, you know, Travis Kelsey had that huge fumble. You know, you're down inside the Eagles. red. You're in the red zone, basically, and you fumble. So you take away points right there. So, you know, you, you can't do that. And I know you're the Chiefs, right? You're an alpha in the NFL, but the Eagles are a good team. You can't take that away, and you give them chances to stay in the game. Yeah, you you're gonna get bit, and you know I know you brought it up, Valdez Scantling, that was so like, I'm sure Tyreek Hill is just laughing right now still, 
summer in Miami. He's just throwing a party for himself. <laughs> I don't know. He might get a raise tomorrow from the Miami Dolphins. I don't know because man, they miss him though. Th- that, but that that's the route for Tyreek, right? When I'm desperate, I need a go route. Who am I gonna go to? Oh, why don't I just throw it to the fastest guy in the NFL and just let him go run and get under it? Sure enough, I mean. I know Mahomes in the in the interview said, you know, I got to make that pass better. You know, I respect that. You know, he's being a good leader, not blaming anybody. But a wide receiver, you're in the National Football League. There was no defender around him. It hits you in your Literally. pocket. <laughs> Literally in your hands. You have two hands over the ball and you drop it. I have no words. And you know what's crazy? So they they had the miss. I'm furious, like in shock. And then Mahomes comes back. They have the intentional grounding. So it's fourth and 25. And then they drop the ball again. I, I saw that play to uh, Justin Watson. First off, terrible defense by the Eagles. I don't even know how you even allow that to happen. But Watson just literally runs a, like a 28-yard A 28-yard curl like yeah stick, yeah back. it's yeah and he, two hands on the ball he had it like he was a good throw by Mahomes I mean that just literally sums up the Chiefs this season I mean how many dro- Kelsey had like two three drops he, well, he had a drop on third down that they oh, had that to, was... he had to convert the next fourth down or game's over right there mm-hmm. but right he had I've never seen Travis Kelsey make that many mistakes as a receiver the fumbles the drops justin watson he led the chiefs in receiving but he was terrible i mean he was really awful i mean Kadarius tony i think had a drop uh, sky Moore, i think he had a drop too so it's like oh my gosh like the passes that mahomes are throwing it's like <laughs> it's right in your hands and i'm sorry as an nfl receiver you have to catch that you have to catch that and it just sucks because my Cowboys really could have benefited from this game. So from now on, I will never be cheering for the Chiefs. I never was a Chiefs fan. This <laughs> makes me hate you guys even more with all you bandwagon Swift fans out there. I have no respect for you guys. Oh, you guys choke. Yeah, I'm going. F- yeah, because there are bandwagoners. Just because, oh, yeah, I'm dating Travis Kelsey. You don't know a lick about football. So, I mean... All these Chiefs fans. How many Chiefs fans are there before Patrick Mahomes? I heard a none. I really they're like crickets. So I mean that I, I have no respect for the Chiefs already. I'm done with them. Never putting faith in them. But the Eagles, you know, they're so lucky. Very lucky because I don't think they played a good game at all. And gotta give credit to the Chiefs defense. Honestly, I think Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, did a great job. Um, you know, he was blitzing the nickel a lot, kind of disguising coverage with blitz, so playing zone. So I thought great plan there. AJ Brown was really a no show, <laughs> one catch for eight yards. And, you know, you gave up really one big play in the past game to Devontae Smith. But, you know, to some degree, it, it's going to happen. I mean, they're, they're just too good. They're going to get a chunk play at some point. So, yeah, they did. They had one play, but they weren't that explosive. So, 
it's just a wasted opportunity. And Kansas City, you guys blew it. You guys blew it for me. I'm not going to forgive you for this because this was just huge for my sake. And now I got to, you know, I got to shift gears. Okay. I'm going to dump Kansas City away. Forget them. Screw them. I'm going to jump on the Buffalo bandwagon now with Josh Allen. Now he, oh, he's got, see, his, now I'm cheering for the Eagles this he, next week. <laughs> he, he's coming. He's coming for the, you know, the throat. Now he said, I'm effing back. You know, that he, he's feeling confident after beating Zach Wilson. So <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm on the, the Josh Allen bandwagon for a week. So let's go Josh, you know, and we got to cheer for family, right? Trayvon Diggs, you know, I got to cheer for his, his brother. His family, so I like a I like a good story here. So come on, Buffalo, come on! I'm <laughs> jumping from one AFC bandwagon to the next. <laughs> yeah, the only okay. So the thing I will say um, about the Eagles, Matt, is if I'm the Eagles, and this is just me being, you can call it a superstitious fan or just a fan that observes the nature of sports, there's no logic behind what I'm about to say, right? It's just these feelings that I see or get. Um, So, you know, you hear the common phrase like, oh, the ball didn't bounce our way today. We didn't get the lucky bounce today, right? Um, You hear those expressions sometimes in sports. And I just got to say, you know, like I said, with the Eagles, haven't felt like the juggernaut, haven't felt like the super team. I'll just be honest, like three out of the past four games uh, feels like they've been getting that break, you know, and I mean, cap- credit to them. They they capitalize off of it. But you look at tonight, you know, MVS literally drops the ball that hits him in both hands would have put them up, you know seemingly by three if Jake Elliott makes the field or extra point, right? Go back to the Cowboys. Half a yard, half, like, you know what I mean? Um, From scoring twice, Dak and the Ferguson one, you know, like literally inches there. Um, And then even, you know, the commanders gave them all they could handle the week before that. But the Miami game, you know, yeah, it was 31 to 17, but you remember everyone was discussing kind of the refereeing that was, you know, officiating that was going on in that one where they felt like, you know, Eagles were getting away with a bunch of holds there. So I'll just say you only get so many breaks. That's, that's just my theory about how things go right in life. You get the lucky bounces, uh, but you don't always, they're not always going to bounce your way. So that's the thing. It's like the Eagles, they're using up all their good luck or all their like little um, good bits of fortune now. So that's the only I thing so. I would be concerned if I was the Eagles. We can come back to this if I'm wrong, you know, come the postseason and they get the lucky bounce or whatever it may be. But that's just my intuition and observation of watching sports for – I don't know, 18 plus years now. So I just, that's why I'm not worried Miami was losing early because you want those kind of fortuitous bounces to go your way down the stretch. So that's just my thing. I I just wanted to point that out. So, hey, but that's a good point because as a Dallas fan, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, the ball has been bouncing the way 
They still got to play the Bills at home. But the Bills, you know, they beat the Jets. They bust them up. Maybe you get their confidence back a little bit. I don't know. So I'm holding out hope. And then the next week, they got to play the Niners. Yes, it's at home. But you know the Niners are are very upset from last year. And, you know, they have Brock Purdy healthy now. So, you know, they kind of want a piece of that. So, you know, there's still those two games before they go to Dallas where ideally, I mean, if they lose both of them, that would be terrific. But they can lose one out of two. One game back going into Dallas or with Philly coming to town. So, obviously, you got to win that game anyway. So, there's there's still hope in Dallas, in Cowboy land. But, yeah, that's my optimism, delusion thinking. But <laughs> for this game, I am still – I'm not I'm not over it. Like, Travis Kelsey, you let me down. That's why I traded you. <laughs> you let me down. I traded you. I, I don't want anything to do with the Chiefs already. Maybe I got to trade Rashid Rice now. I, I just got to dump them all. <laughs> just send send them the free agency already because that's what these guys look like, free agent wide receivers. Can't catch the ball. I'm sorry. You're in the NFL. You need to catch routine passes, and you, you have the best quarterback in the league doing that. So if, if he can't do that, what team are you good on then? <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. I just had to – I sorry. I know it's kind of aggressive on the Chiefs. No, it, I mean, it's but- – it's, it's it's the truth. I believe it's warranted. You it's know, the truth. if you watch the game, you hear oh drop pass, it's a drop pass. But when you see but where it's, it's hitting them, bad. like literally the MVS one. I mean, you're literally known for being a track, you know, a track guy. You're a burner. You're a four two speed guy. guy. You're a deep ball guy. And the ball, I mean, okay, what it didn't hit him in that pocket where they like to catch it on the run, right? Like in between your forearms and your bicep, I guess. But Oh, I'm sorry. I got two hands on the ball. Both ha- <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to you got to make those catches. And um, just Justin Watson, man, he had like three drops. Like yeah. easy drops. I mean, the last one fourth and 25, you know, three guys sandwiching him, but the, amazingly the ball was still it went through his hands. That, so that it, reminds it me almost there. of the um was it in the Super Bowl? You know when Mahomes is si- his sideways throw, where oh, the, he's was like it McKinnon. No, not McKinnon. Or Edwards Alaire. Yeah, oh, someone against was, against Tampa, right? Yeah, against Tampa, where yeah. he literally there's like the picture of him throwing the ball sideways, and his receiver jumps up and it hits him in the face. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for Patrick Mahomes. He is. I mean, imagine if he had like, I don't know, the, or or. You know, you, you put him with the Cincinnati wide receivers, let's say, right? Oh, oh my oh goodness. Lord. Could you even imagine? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, feel bad for, for him, but it's a team game. That's why you, it, you need 11, right? Um, yep. Yes, you do. Okay, well, we'll look forward to a good NFL weekend. Quick turnaround, which is already uh, three more days until we got football again, but... I know both of our teams don't play on Sunday this week. I know, I know. So uh hopefully we have a good like going into the week um <laughs> feeling. But why don't we take a quick break here since we're done with NFL stuff? Um and when we come back, we will get to some college football. Okay, so moving on from the NFL stuff. 
we have to wrap up the UH football talk. Um, well, I mean, they still have another game left of the season, but their bowl chances are officially dashed. Um, we will not be bowling this year in the Hawaii Bowl, fortunately, because we went up to Wyoming and we took a beating. So I know you didn't watch the game, Matt. Unfortunately, I watched yeah, the game. This is this is your time to shine. <laughs> uh, or cry. I don't know what's a good good word to describe it. <laughs> it's just, you know, the worst part is like when you get your hopes up, you know? Like if we're going to be bad, that's fine, you know? But don't go and beat Air Force and give us a chance at a bowl game. You know, and look so have the defense look so good against Air Force for turning them over. You know, we have energy on offense and come out and get stomped by Wyoming at Wyoming. Like Wyoming scored 14 points within their first four plays, their first four offensive plays. So their first drive, they go three plays, right? They go, uh, I think it was a, actually, the first play of the game, we, Hawaii has a personal foul. Second play, they run for five yards, and then they throw a 44-yard touchdown on the next play, right? Hawaii, we go get the ball, we punt. Next play for Wyoming, they go 89 yards for a touchdown. One play. I don't even. I think it was to their tight end. I think they're like the the guy was a tight end running down the field. He's out racing our corners and our safeties. A tight end. He breaks one tackle on a corner out, and he's housing it from from the eleven yard line. Like what? Huh? And then just like that, you look up, you blink. It's fourteen zero within like like five minutes um, in the game, and it's like what? What the hell is going on, right? Um, and then you know, you have a chance. We come back. You know, we're looking good. We're fine. We get some momentum offensively. We're going down the field, going down the field. <clears throat> we get first and goal. You know, can't okay, can't get in, can't get in. We're running with Braden Shager twice for some reason. Uh, yeah. So it's fourth and goal, right? Uh. Fourth and goal, the Wyoming two. Chance to get back into the game. It's 14-0 at this point, right? And lo and behold, what happens? We run a read option-ish thing. They've been doing like this. It's like a read option, but he's not decisive on if he wants to pull it or hand it off to our running back. He pulls it when, you know, whatever. He pulls it, gets stopped, and... That was pretty much all the offense we had the whole game. So from there, you know, they don't go all the way down the field, but they punt, we punt. Then they go 21-0. Oh, and now look, six-play drive, it's 21-0. Four-play drive going 66 yards, 28-0. Three-play drive, it's 35-0, right? So 35-0 at the half. It was cooked. We had no chance. Um, 
Yeah, I think this this game overall really sums up um, our season so far. We had chances, you know, we had opportunities. Um, you know, Braden Shager throws a pick in the end zone again, right? Um, he's running a lot. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that's why that's so heavily a part of our offensive game plan. Um, I mean, we ran the ball 34 times, but for 67 yards. Three yards a carry. Two, yeah, what, two yards a carry? Two yards a carry, roughly. Not, not even, like a little bit under. So it's it was disappointing, you know. Can't say I'm not surprised, unfortunately. Whenever we go up to Wyoming, it's tough. I get it. You know, we're Hawaii boys. Been in the islands. You know, you've been in the islands for months, and you get the harsh reality of playing in Wyoming in that that kind of weather it's tough i get it but man just just knowing the the fact that we had an opportunity to you know still win out and still go to a bowl game and really save you know a lot of the negativity that has been around the team this year but um you go out and you put up a performance like that it's it's not good to impress anyone. I mean, he had 319 yards of passing, the Wyoming quarterback, on 14 completions. 14 completions. So um, that's, a, that's about 19 yards of pass <laughs> completion. Yeah, I mean, our defense was getting absolutely gashed. You know, in the trenches, as usual, both sides, we are outmatched. Um, can't run the ball turning the ball over it's it was just a disaster um as a whole but i mean let's be honest we're calling it a wrap on the season because we can't go bowling i'd like to still see them you know go out with some pride right you you want you know the season to end on a good note five hey you look uh you win next week against colorado state hey that's a five win year you know granted we played 13 games but hey five wins you know built something to build off of for timmy going into next year and the season on a good note um so i would still like to see that but i'm gonna be honest i think we need let's just do a quick look ahead because you know season is essentially done right um you know we'll get hunter on here because i want to hear his take on the whole season but the run and shoot, I'm not impressed. Like we it there were flashes, right? But no consistency. So I don't know, Matt. Do you think he we probably have to stay with the run and shoot at this point? And sounds like Braden Shager is coming back for his senior year. Uh he's <laughs> now fifth all time in UH history, which is pretty That's amazing. Great. Um but he's now, you know up there with the Hawaii legends for passing yards. Um, I don't know. I I hope we get to keep Stephen or I think McBride is a senior, right? Uh, yeah, I hope he's we a get to transfer. Keep, so he's I hope we get to keep Ashlock. Hopefully. I'm, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> so sure because, he, I mean, he's been a stud for us. 
all year. Um, hopefully, Tylen Hines comes back. I'm not even banking on that at this point. But we need something. Um, and I think we're going to get um, – shoot, what's, what's our linebacker's name that got hurt? Logan Taylor. Logan Taylor. He should be coming back for his, what, super, super senior year <laughs> at this point. So that will be a nice boost uh, to have him back out on the field. But, yeah, not not a ton to say. Just just a, just a sad way to go out knowing we had a bowl game, you know, still within our reach. Um, we just got steamrolled. <laughs> it, yeah. looked, it looked like we weren't even – on the same playing field as them so yeah i mean i mean going into this game there was that false hope right oh my god they're two wins away from going bowling like that would be amazing but at the same time i still did have a reality check i didn't expect them to win this game but i did expect them to be competitive i will say that going off of that air force game win of the year probably win of the coaching tenure for Timmy Chang. So I would think the team would be playing with confidence, kind of knowing what's at stake still for the season. And, you know, to just throw up this, this, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Not a goose egg, but a outlier, I guess, of a score. It was just, that's why we get frustrated, right? With, with UH football. Now it's like, they get your hopes up and then, it just all goes back to the junk. It's like they take one step forward and then, okay, we're going to take three steps back after the next game. So it's like yep. oh, you lose all that progress, that momentum you gain, right? The defense is playing good. Okay. Maybe they'll play good. You know, not saying, you know, they're going to hold a team to like 20 yards passing because it's only air force, but to just let the other opposing quarterback just cook <laughs> like, yeah, that's not a good bounce back to me. So, yeah, just kind of sums up the season. False hope and then reality check of a blowout. So, I, I still think you got to treat this game, the senior night game at home, as like a, this is your quote-unquote bowl game, right? You, every, he, the UH is playing 13 games, so they're getting an extra game. But, you know, I, I still think Man, five wins, it just sounds so much better to me. It's like, okay, we have five wins. We're one win away from a bowl game. Like, that should be kind of the goal going into next season. Let's make a bowl game. I don't care who we beat, but let's make a bowl game. If we're five wins, like, we're right there. We're one game away. And UH has had many of those games this year where it's like, yeah, we, sh- we could have won that game. If we made this one play, we would have won. Or we would have been more competitive in this game. So I just think that kind of has to be the mindset. You come in, you play Colorado State, like it's your bowl game. This is your Super Bowl for the season. So I, I'm curious to see how how they respond. And I, I think I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they will because it is senior night. You don't want to let the seniors down and lose on your last home game. So I think they'll they'll respond. Not going to pick them to win. But I expect them to be competitive at home, I would say. But as you said, right, the season, we'll have that recap once the season is officially over. But, 
Yeah, the run and shoot has not been what we're accustomed to. And maybe we're spoiled with what we've seen growing up. But the thing that really frustrated me, at least this season, was the whole Tylen Hines situation. Like that that it was it's so weird and I still don't know what exactly has gone on. Like I, I think he's redshirting because he's injured. So he gets his eligibility saved for next year. But even when he was healthy, like the, the the utilization was just weird to me. And going into the season, he was the the hype man, right? Everyone thought, okay, he's gonna break out, right? No Dietrich Parsons, so he's he's the guy back there. And it, it just wasn't the case. It just seems like every game it got less and less of a role. And that's when UH was just so pass happy. They they just refused to run the ball. So I always said, I don't care if you're in the run and shoot, you still can run the ball. And that's how you help out a struggling team. I mean, UH has had great running backs in the run and shoot system. Nate Ilala, right? One of the all-time great. Alex Green went to the NFL. So you got you got guys that have succeeded in this offense running the ball. So I'm a firm believer you establish a run game and that makes Shager's job so much easier because he, he's he's going to be the quarterback next year. Let's put it that way. So I don't think he's losing his job unless he transfers, which I highly doubt. But I just want to see a run game, just something. We don't have to be Air Force and run 200 yards a game, but to run it consistently, you know, 60 or I should say 40 run, 40% run, 60% pass, even 35, 65. Like it, but it cannot be 90, 10, or, you know, eight out of 10 plays is a pass. Like, I, I just think there needs to be more balance. So, well, I hope they make that adjustment going into the offseason, into next year. But yeah, the run and shoot, like me, it just it hasn't clicked this year. So, I'm hoping another offseason with Shager in the system can can be the difference because that's all we got to hope on now. <laughs> yeah, that is our, our hope, it looks like. Um, but let's save the UH talk when, when the season's over. We can do a recap. Um, anyway, let's move on to the rest of the college football talks. So Oregon, um, like you have here, survived the trap game. And now we get to look forward to the big one coming up this week. So why don't you break it down for us, uh, give us the preview and uh, what you're looking forward to seeing. Yeah, this this game for Oregon going to Arizona State, it's a trap game because it's become a house of horrors for them for the recent years. Um, you know, they've gotten upset here before most recently. I believe it was with Justin Herbert as quarterback. They were ranked uh, right in the thick of the playoff race late in the season. And lo and behold, this guy named Jaden Daniels just kind of ruined the party for us. And he he knocked us out of playoff contention. Oregon ended up winning the Pac-12 that year and the Rose Bowl, but they could have had a shot at the playoff. And Arizona State definitely played spoiler. And even this year, Arizona State, they played Washington tough. They held that offense to 15 points on the road in in Washington, so it was no fluke. Their coach, Kenny Dillingham, was the Oregon OC last year, so he knows Dan Lanning, he knows Bo Nix, he knows the system, 
So it's like, you know, you know, you're not going to sneak anything by him. So you just have to out execute. And, uh, you know, what, what else can I say about Bo Nix at this point? I, I, I think he's just cementing himself as the Heisman front runner at this point. I mean, he had six touchdowns in the first half, 387 yards in the first half, <laughs> 387 yards and six touchdowns, no turnovers in the first half. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I have never seen a stat like that. And they left no doubt in this game, which is good because Arizona State, you let them hang around, they're going to feel confident. And there was none of that. I mean, everybody was showcasing Troy Franklin, the Blitnikoff Award finalist, or I think semifinalist, you know, 128 yards, two TDs, uh, you know, Gary Bryant having chunk plays in the receiving game. Tez Johnson in the slot. Everybody had big games receiving. Even Patrick Herbert, <laughs> of all people, had two touchdowns. So it was a good performance. And uh, now they really did almost, to some degree, survive the season. Because they got to the Civil War now. They're still number six. I don't know how the committee's going to play out. You know, tomorrow is the release of the rankings. But... Right, they're they're one win away. You beat Oregon State next week in the Civil War at home. You get your rematch against Washington. You beat them. You're going to the playoff. So you you avoided all that that trap games, the 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 longevity of the season. Now you you kind of made that home stretch. So now it's time to finish the job. And Oregon State is a tough matchup for Oregon. Obviously, they beat them last year in Corvallis, but. Oregon State can run the ball, and that's the one area that, you know, Oregon can be, to some degree, a little bit shaky. I'm not worried about DJ throwing it all over the place. He's not going to do that. He's not going to beat you that way. But Oregon State can beat you and ground and pound. So they've got to stop the run. The defensive line for Oregon's got to play big. And for Bo Nix's sake, you got to put pressure on DJ. You guys get up two two scores, you know, three scores, force Oregon State to throw it around. That's when, you know, you can start getting the pass rush going, get some turnovers. But if you play from behind, Oregon State's just going to chew the clock out. <laughs> and that's not going to be a recipe for success. So I'm expecting a, a close game. Obviously, I'm going to pick Oregon because they're at home and they have the better quarterback. So... It's going to be a tough one. I'm sad that Blaze is in Japan because I feel like this is the year that I can finally talk some smack to him because he was pretty relentless last year. Kind of out of control to some degree of watching the game. That was a fun one. Yeah, he was like, even after we left, he was sending me videos of him. You know, he was drinking. He was having a good time. And I was like, man, this guy, he just, like, okay, the game's over. Like, it, you can relax a little bit. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm kind of sad he's not going to be here, but, uh, you know, Blaze, yeah, you guys are going down this year. You're going down. And when you come back, I'm going to rub it in your face. <laughs> so you better be ready. But it's always going to be a good game. This is a Civil War, best rivalry in college football. And uh, just one game. They got to win one more game, and they finally get to play Washington again. So let's do it. Let's do it. Black Friday. So your team plays on Friday. My team plays Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yeah. It's a, foot, it's a busy football football Friday <laughs> for us. 
uh, should should be uh, one to look forward to. Um, but yeah, let's let's move off college football here. Get into kind of our last topics um, of the pod today. So a little bit of NBA talk. Uh, we always talk about the Lakers on this pod because they're my team. So I mean, we're looking pretty good. You know, uh, the West is extremely tough. It is going to be tight the whole year. I am anticipating it. Uh, you know, most recently we get a big win against the Rockets at home. Uh, LeBron, what do you say about this guy? I mean, 20, year 21, he's still dropping 30 plus points. Uh, he had 37 in this one. He's dunking on people. He's hitting threes, you know, contested threes. Austin Reeves hits a 30 foot three. Uh, to put the Lakers up late, cold. Um, but more importantly, LeBron at least he made one out of the two free throws to help them win that game in the end there. So, I mean, eight and six. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, um, it's a long season. Looking forward to the in season tournament because you know Lakers are three and zero. So hopefully we can get the sweep in our pool. I think that's what they're calling it. Um. But hey, eight and six, we're sixth overall in the Western Conference. Uh, only two and a half games back of the Timberwolves of all teams who are in first place. And has got that team rocking. So, yeah, uh, so far, you know, ups and downs. We're going to have ups and downs. We're going to try to figure out our roster moving forward. But Anthony Davis, yeah, typical Anthony <laughs> Davis. You know, it's like three out of four games he'll dominate and one game he won't show up. Uh, yeah, it is kind of what it is. Different guys stepping up every night. Um, but yeah, eight and six, nothing to complain about. No panic here. Um, so keeping it short there, but other, God, I guess kind of big news. Uh, the most drama that's happened in the NBA so far this year is the fight between, uh, the Warriors and the Timberwolves. So, you know, Gobert and Draymond get into it. Uh, but actually it was, Gobert, who was he holding back? Uh, it was uh, it was actually Clay and uh, oh, Jaden Clay, Clay and Jaden McDaniels. Yeah, so they get into it. Clay's jersey is getting ripped. He has not been playing well this season, by the way. Um, oh no! But uh, you know, Draymond is. I mean, sorry, Rudy Gobert is getting Clay off of him, uh, his teammate, and then here comes Draymond, absolutely <laughs> just flying in into a rear naked choke. I was like, am I watching the UFC or is this the NBA? Um, um, it was WWE or something. Yeah, too. I don't know. Um, but just ridiculous behavior, I feel like, from Draymond. <laughs> um, and it's funny because Rudy Gobert, after the game, says, like, anytime Steph doesn't play, he tries to get ejected because he doesn't want to play without him. I thought that was kind of funny. But then someone provided a graphic, and it's like, yeah, more times than not when Steph isn't playing, Draymond <laughs> is ejected at some point, which is kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. Um I don't know. It's a little weird if Draymond is doing that on purpose. I feel like just so he doesn't have to play without Steph. Uh, I'll, I'll call I'll call BS on that take. I don't think he's doing that on purpose. I think it's more ironic. But the 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 choke was way out of line. <laughs> I, I think they're just two guys, Clay and McDaniel's, right? They're just you know, it was intense, right? Sometimes those things happen, but you can split up a fight by not choking someone out like <laughs> that's a little too far you can pull them away you know be the middleman but you know 
classic Draymond, right? Wants to if you can show I'm the I'm the tough guy here. I'm the I'm the big dog. And yeah, he, he does he does things that just you just shake your head. And <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's he's getting away with it too much. Like I know it's Draymond, that's his personality, but you would think after a while, like he needs to learn. Like you can be Draymond, right? You be yourself, be intense, but you you can't choke someone out like that. And that that to me is way out of line. And with his history, there needs to be some kind of accountability, some kind of I guess punishment for his actions. So I don't know what the NBA is going to do. I think five games is kind of uncalled for. I feel like it should have been longer in my case. But um, yeah, I think the NBA definitely needs to look into, you know, this behavior thing because you can't keep letting a guy like this kind of cut corners in a way. Like he can act out of control, but oh yeah, he's just going to get suspended for a game. Like no big deal. (laughs) So that's something I think the NBA needs to look at. But I will say for the Warriors' sake of their basketball team, I, I think they brought it up on first take or NBA countdown, not NBA countdown, that Malika Andrews um, show NBA tonight. But they were saying that possibly the the Warriors should trade Clay at the deadline. Like I thought that was pretty interesting, but I don't think they're gonna do that. But I want to get your thoughts on that because I thought it was interesting. And I definitely think with Clay not signing the extension this year, I feel like this is kind of their last dance as the big three. I think so State. too. Clay just doesn't look like he has it. I don't know if you trade him. We're still early. Like, let's not go too crazy. But yeah, if if Clay doesn't start being Clay pretty soon, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you try to get something in return before his stock goes down even more. So that that's what I'll say about that. I don't know. I don't I don't buy trading him just yet. Um need to see a little bit more uh games being played before that happens. But yeah. Um okay well that'll wrap our NBA talk. I know you wanted to get to some UH basketball real quick here. So I'll give you the floor on them. Um how are we looking this year? We're well it's okay. I mean, we played two teams that we should have beat to start the season. So 2-0 and all to start off last week. They played Yuichi Hilo. They've won every matchup in that in that series. Zorned is on Hilo, so kind of a homecoming game for him. But, you know, I think really in these first few games leading up to the Diamond Head Classic, I'm just, I'm like, it's really, I'm trying to learn the team. What's the rotation is going to be like? Who's going to be guys that you can count on late in the season? Who's showing potential? Who's struggling still? Like, it's just kind of, I'm learning the team. And it, after two games, I have I have some, some guys that have shown flashes. I think in the first game, definitely the guy that stood out for me off the bench was their true freshman guard, Tom Beattie. He's from New Zealand. Kind of a bigger guard, but he played really well he had 12 points against Hilo but he took nine shots five of nine one of four from three but the thing that I liked about him was he was he was very aggressive attacking the basket uh, wasn't afraid to shoot the ball and sometimes as a true freshman right you're not you're going to be kind of passive right you got 
Javon, obviously Noel, two senior guards in the backcourt, right? Kind of going to defer to the upperclassmen. But this kid was coming out and he was putting his shoulder down, driving to the hoop, right? He made a three. So I was like, okay. Like, there's still some raw, you know, things that you need to fix, obviously. But I just like that someone is aggressive. Because I feel like on UH, there really isn't a guy with a killer attitude or like a killer Mamba mentality, right? There There isn't a guy... That just says, I'm going to take the game over. Sometimes, to some degree, Javon kind of took on that role last year. But it wasn't always the greatest. So it's nice to have guys that have shown or showing that potential. So I like that. Um, Noel Coleman's off to a good start. Um, He had 10 points in the first game. But I think against Niagara, he had 21. He was just unconscious. He was shooting the ball good. Javon... You know, kind of coming off the the hype this preseason, he's expected to be first team all conference. Kind of a shaky start for him, honestly. Um, I think the turnovers have been an issue, especially in the Niagara game. Um, but I'm not really worried about him. I think we kind of know what we're gonna get. I don't think we're gonna expect greatness, maybe, but he's still gonna be solid, I think. But uh, the guy that I think has shown potential to is uh, our new guy coming from North Carolina, Justin McCoy. Uh, he's the highly talented transfer, right? Played for played at Virginia, played at North Carolina. He's kind of replacing Kamaka Hepa. That's kind of like his, his role. But the thing that I liked about him over the first two games, I thought, yes, he, he kind of sometimes I thought, okay, he's just picking and popping. But I saw the ability to put the ball on the floor. And I think that's such a huge thing because I was so hard on Kamaka Hepa every single time because I was like, this guy is seven foot one, probably, and he has no inside game. You can't just be a seven one guy in college basketball and shoot threes. You need to be able to punish guys inside. McCoy is not as big and as lanky, but he's a lot muscular. And there was, you know, there was a play. I think he got fouled, but he put the ball on the floor. It was a spin move. He went up for a layup. He got fouled. And I saw that, I was like, okay, if he can do this and mix in the threes, he can be better than than Kamaka. And he's a big guy. I think he had double-digit rebounds in the second game against Niagara. So he had a double-double. So I think there's potential there. He's still getting used to, to Javon and Noel playing in the pick-and-roll. But that'll come over time. But the flash, I saw the flash there. The The talent was there. And then the last guy... Juan Munoz, he's kind of the backup guard for this team. Everybody wants to know how this guy's going to do coming off a you know serious injury last year, and you know for the most part, I think he's been pretty good. The shoot, he he still can shoot. That was always his thing last year. We thought he was going to be a good shooter. He's shooting at a high percentage. I think the only thing that he still needs to get is his legs. Um, you know the agility. It's not quite there, I think, especially from last year, but. If that's not the case, if he doesn't get that back, he can shoot. <laughs> he can shoot and he can space the floor. So for him to spell Jovan, I think that's going to be huge because I think we were missing that last year. We didn't really have a good backup point guard to kind of run the offense. And I think he's coming in, giving us a nice glimmer of hope, I think. So, hey, we're 2-0. You beat UH Chile, you beat Niagara. They play uh 
Northern Arizona tomorrow, so they should beat should should beat them. But they go on the road for a Thanksgiving weekend tournament, so that'll be an interesting test, right? Playing on the road, I always believe you play on the road in the non conference schedule to practice that element of feeling the rowdiness of a away crowd. So I think it'll be a good test, but overall, yeah, they're shooting the ball good. The defense has been kind of shaky, but I think that can be corrected over time. But yeah, I think good start. But as you said, right, I'm I'm waiting for the Diamond Head Classic. It's about a month away. That UP uh, UH game is going to be, it's going to be fun for me. Yeah, know. that'll be a fun I one. I think it's going to be a fun one. But two and zero, two and zero after first week is, that's good, that's good. So nothing too much to complain about. But the flashes are there. There's there's certain guys that are showing out. So that's the main thing. That's good. Yeah, I definitely want to see that going forward. And yeah, looking forward to a good UH basketball season. Um, okay, well let's start to wrap it up here. Uh, baseball, uh, the Yoshinobu Yamamoto sweepstakes. Pretty much officially underway. I think he's like almost cleared to sign or something like that. Uh, it opens tomorrow, right? I think. I think it, yeah. It, I know. I knew it was soon. Um, but he he'll be you know signed real soon. I think after he gets to hear the pitches from all the teams. Uh, sounds like everyone is gunning after this kid. Uh, I mean, I think he's like twenty five. He's our age, so it, it'll be great. Um, hey, if the Dodgers get him, I won't be complaining. To be honest. But uh, hey, yeah, you we'll, guys we'll can have, have see. show. You guys can have Shohei. We'll take. Uh, I'll take Yamamoto. You want the pitching, huh? Yeah, he is. His stuff is nasty. Um, so uh, everyone's gonna be gunning for him. It's just I think it's might just be who's gonna offer the most money, and I think that's where the Dodgers favor the Yankees at the moment because we have uh, Andrew Friedman. You have Brian Cashman. So I'll take. Friedman over Cashman as of right now. That's where my faith is at. Um, well, I will say if you get Yamamoto, I'm pretty sure you don't get Shohei. That's true. So that's, is that, that's the other thing. You're going to make that sacrifice? I mean, that's something you got to think about. Yeah. I'll sacrifice true. Shohei to get Yamamoto. Assuming Sho- I'm, I'm kind of honestly assuming Shohei goes to the Dodgers at this point. Because <laughs> I don't want... Well, I hope so. I heard a report that he was looking at the Red Sox. No, that's just I heard, off. No, I, mean, I heard the Giants, I heard the Cubs, I heard the Rangers, Dodgers oh, are gosh, in the, there. The Rangers Red Sox just... are in there. Yeah, I hope I hope not, but uh I can stay hopeful, I guess. So we'll, we'll see how that one pans out. Um Yeah, Shohei rumors maybe he's thinking of playing the outfield with his current situation, right? With his arm. Eh, let I him DH, a... I think. Just let him yeah, DH. But Don't... I feel like I feel like that just diminishes his value in a right, way. Right. Like if he's just a if he's just a DH, that's basically what you're paying for a guy like Giancarlo Stanton. Or even to some degree Jordan Alvarez. I know he kind of plays the field a little bit, but you're paying big bucks for a DH. I just I just I can't get myself to to pay that money. So you guys take him. I think you, you gotta got, take the you risk. Take, you you, you gotta take, take the gamble and hope and pray he comes back healthy pitching again. Um, because if he does, that's his he'll, second. He'll be worth second inj- that, Isn't that his second Tommy John of his career? Something like that. Yeah, but and he's only twenty nine. Stronger. So 
I don't know. I, I'm hoping it works out. I, Yeah, just go get him. Because you also heard the rumor the Dodgers are going aggressively after Mike Trout. I don't know if you heard that one. Uh, I, uh, no, I did not the Dodgers, hear that. The Dodgers uh, allegedly are willing to give up their entire farm to get Mike Trout, which you know would potentially help uh, have some favor with Shohei. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, okay, could but- be a huge blockbuster there can i just ask how do you afford that because mike trout is the highest paid player in baseball and there's no cap there's no cap you, in baseball but there's a luxury tax there's yeah a luxury and there tax. sounds like they're willing to pay it they're just gonna pay it the interest rate i guess so okay so that that's just something to look out for and nothing uh that's not real solid just yet. But. If you guys get that Mike Trout Shohei trade or whatever, that should be like the the NBA when they ban Chris Paul from going to the Lakers. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and you I guys can take dream. Shohei, but no, Mike Trout, you stay in LA. You signed the big contract. You gotta stick it out. <laughs> you chose that life. Yeah. Oh, uh, I can dream, right? Um, other than that. Oh, Soto to the Yankees, maybe? I mean, sounds like he's probably getting moved. Uh, uh, yeah, he's getting moved. But Jeff pa- Jeff Passan, yeah, he's a credible source. He said right. the, the Yankees are in good position because I guess they have what the Padres are looking for. And, you know, to some degree, kind of an unfortunate thing, but didn't the owner pass away recently? So they could be looking at right, new ownership. You just reset, right? New, just start over <laughs> so how do you start over well you you get younger obviously it kind of hasn't worked the dodgers are still the dodgers the d-backs obviously just went to the world series so they're going to be a team to reckon with and you're kind of like third in the division at this point so why not let the dodgers prime run out maybe catch the d-backs later but the only way you can do that is if you you get prospects and what better way to do it than to get Soto? And we can give you, uh, hmm, who do I want to give you? You guys can have, uh, <laughs> you guys can have somebody, <laughs> anybody but Volpe. You guys can have Volpe. Take Pereira. Take uh, heck, you guys want Peraza? Take him too. <laughs> but yeah, Soto would be ideal, and I'm falling for it. Jeff Passan got my hopes up. I'm already kind of picturing like, oh man, Soto in left field, man, him hitting in front of or behind Judge, that would be lethal. <laughs> and then you got Yamamoto too. That would be great. You got your pitcher and you got your bat. So that would be perfect. Yeah, a lot of hypotheticals right now. So yeah, I know I'm falling into delusion already. Maybe I should just stop talking because you know we we signed guys like uh, uh, what is this guy? We signed some pitcher. Some De La Cruz pitcher. I don't even know who this guy is, but he's a sinker ball pitcher, kind of what Matt Blake likes. So hopefully he can be another uh, protege for us. But uh, yeah, you know, knowing the Yankees, I always get my hopes up and then they do something stupid. So <clears throat> I'm dreaming. I am dreaming. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's wrap it up. Oh, Aaron Nola, big. Uh... Key re-signing for the Phillies there. They get uh, one of their aces back. Um, I mean, he was so good for them in the playoffs. Uh, I think he's going to be a big piece for them 
uh, moving forward in their future. But yeah, other than that, still pretty quiet. Um, no crazy news just yet, but I'm expecting it to heat up once the winter meetings start, right? Um, but yeah, so let's round it out here. Matt, who is your foolish fool of the week? Or do you have a couple? I don't have a particular foolish fool, but I'll just pay homage to our original creator of the segment, Brandon Staley. Mm, um, nothing crazy. really, nothing really he did in the game, but it was more the, the interview that went kind of viral. You know, he got really defensive with the, the reporters. Uh, I, I, I personally, I was like, Oh God, this guy, you could tell he's feeling the heat with, with that, with that response. But uh, you know, Brandon Staley, to kind of counter what you said, aren't you the guy that's in control of the team? And you have, I think I saw the Chargers have one of the highest payrolls in the NFL, which is absurd. And you know, the fact that you have a quarterback that's, you could say, a top tier quarterback talent wise in this league, you got a top running back in this league, you got a top receiver on your team, you got, well, you had Joey Bosa before he got hurt. You had Khalil Mack, so you got pass rushers. I mean, you got all these weapons, and it just seems like you're just putting the blame on them and not so much looking at yourself in the mirror. So that's kind of foolish to me to throw your players under the bus like that. So that's what I kind of took away from from those comments. Um, I think that's really foolish to me because that's how you lose the locker room. And with this team, every week, it's like a, you know, you're – you're treading water every single week. And for you to say comments like that, that just puts a sour taste in my mouth if I'm a Chargers player. So, yep, you're my foolish fool of the week. Mr. Staley shenanigans back at it again. I mean, we call it maybe in a different way, but he's back. <laughs> back in the headlines in this podcast. So, yep, that's my guy this week. Okay. Uh, yeah, no real state of the 808 this week. Um, look forward to next week's one. Hopefully, I have a little bit more to talk about. Uh, but yeah, it was a long one. So why don't you just round us out here, Matt? Sports fact of the day, and take us home. All right, we are recording on November twentieth, and we'll go back to nineteen seventy-seven. So it's uh, one of the Hall of Fame running backs. Might have heard him as Walter Payton. You know, Bears running back. He rushed for an NFL record in a game two hundred. And 75 yards in uh, fantasy football purposes. 275 yards is, I believe, 27 fantasy points. Yeah. So pretty big day if you had him on your fantasy team back in 1977. Which I don't know I if that was... they had fantasy. I don't <laughs> think that existed, but yeah. yeah. But hey, that NFL record for rushing in a game. That's okay. that's crazy. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I don't know if that one will ever be broken with how the game is going today, but... Uh... Yeah, shout out to Sweetness. It will not. <laughs> I don't um, think so. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Well, let's look forward to a good weekend this week for both of our teams. Uh, yeah. Other than that, everyone, please enjoy your Thanksgiving with your loved ones, family, and friends. Uh, hope everyone, you know, eats well, gets a little bit of shopping done for Black Friday, all the sales and stuff like that. Um. But yeah, thank you everyone again. Uh, stay safe and we will see you guys next weekend.